You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. And hello, everyone. Welcome to a special episode of Enemy I'm Cody Johns, and I'm here with Jordan Jardine. And uh, is it Jardine? Like Sardine? Yes, you're pretty good. Okay. Correctly, yeah. I'm surprised. Most okay. people don't. <laughs> As I can see a Jardine, a, a Jardine. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, we we just uh, wanted to do a special episode here. Here's the thing. I'm aware that the big issue of the day is Russia and the Ukraine. The thing is, is we had an episode before the war that talked about how this was inevitable if we don't do some things uh, with the market. Um, it happened. We're really sorry. Our hearts go out to them. But we've kind of done the analysis, you know, and it, unfortunately it played out kind of the way. I mean, we, of course, left the show hoping that they would get some kind of market deal in place that didn't happen. Uh, it turns out, unfortunately, we decided to talk to China about less market and they told on us to Russia and that just did not pan out well. So we're aware of that. Uh, we may, as more development happens, we may talk about that more on the show. Cause obviously when you have uh, superpowers that have nuclear bombs, um, it's not necessarily like we talked about it once and we're done forever, but we wanted to do something different. Uh, have, have a little, um, I think something important right now to talk about how spirituality and kind of the intersection of spirituality and politics, because spirituality really guides people. Um, even if you are not a faithful person, totally understand. Um, if you don't have a religion that you ascribe to, there are kind of these, these truths that we hold as libertarians that come from a place of, you can say opinion or you can say observing fact uh, that kind of gets into how you look at rights and that whole, th that whole thing. But you know, that th we kind of have these understandings of morality, regardless of where we stand on and specifics of religion. So I brought Jordan in here because we've had some brief talks about this. He said he had more to talk about. And uh, I'm sure we could as always when we're typing on Facebook, it's like, well, I could type till my fingers start bleeding, or we can just <laughs> talk about it on podcasts and have everybody kind of join in the conversation. If you're listening live, welcome. Thank you for being here. Um, please feel free to comment and uh, ask questions and we'll bring that up. But uh, Jordan, uh, kind of this was this was something you wanted to do, something I was interested in. Um, what what kind of stuff did you want to talk about? What did you have on your mind? Um, well, um, I'm going to be honest with you. This was so improvised that I didn't really have any set um, topics in mind. But um, I did want to talk about um, how definitely some of my uh my anarchist tendencies sort of fit in with um with spirituality and sort of the influences on me from uh spirituality and religion um uh they they correspond quite neatly with um with anarchism um for instance um, a, a big influence on me recently has been uh, Leo Tolstoy. Leo Tolstoy, um, very famous 
author. He wrote um, War and Peace, Death of Ivan Ilyich, um, Anna Karenina, very famous play. Um, he was also uh, a very famous Christian anarchist. And he, I just bought a book of all of his major religious writings that he did. And there were periods in his life where he had lapses of faith and, and was kind of atheistic in a way, but he writes that he went through a midlife crisis in, you know, sometime in his forties and he, he just spent a lot of his life. He was in the military and then he kind of shifted to the academic world and it just wasn't fulfilling for him. And he just was at this point where he was really depressed and he's like, you know what? I don't even want to live anymore. He just got really depressed and suicidal. And all of a sudden he at first turned to philosophy and then that led him to, um, religion. And then that um, led him to sort of rediscover Christianity. And he sort of went back into his childhood and re-examined um, the influence that the Russian Orthodox Church had on him. And but, but rather than embracing the Russian Orthodox Church, he said, well, I agree with some of the, the biblical teachings, but the Russian Orthodox Church he saw as very corrupt, very hypocritical, and Christians very, never <laughs> and very in league with the state, with the Russian state at the time. And uh he talks about how they did usury and um which for those that don't know, basically it's when the church says you'll have all your sins absolved, but you have to give us money. That's basically what usury is. And indulgences. Uh, he didn't, yes, indulgences, exactly. Yeah. Um, and he didn't like that at all. And so he's like, these corrupt hypocrites are just really, really bad and really awful. And no one should pay attention to these guys, but we should have some sort of, guiding principles and uh that are based in in faith and um a religious morality so basically his argument is we should have spirituality but we shouldn't have hierarchy and authority that tell us how to be faithful and tell us what we should believe and how we should go about living our lives and basically the only authority on that should be, it should basically between us and God. <laughs> That's basically it. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah. Uh, uh, Tolstoy is one of my favorites. I've recommended him on the show several times. Every time I talk about the kingdom of God is within you. I think this may be my fourth or fifth time mentioning this on the show. Um, it's Tolstoy is, is uh, absolutely brilliant kind of an equivalent of like the Martin Luther uh, of, of the, the Eastern churches. Yeah. Um, by just saying like, Hey, listen, 
you guys are not living up to what the faith is supposed to be. You know, I, I joined you. I'll go along with it. And there's an, there's, you know, many instances of this kind of, when we have this blindness about our faith, blind faith is not once mentioned in the scriptures, by the way, but when we think it's a good thing, you know, we just say, Hey, I, I, I did the task. I made it black and white. I followed what this guy said for me in my Western brain. And I very much have a Western brain. I love I have a very Eastern brain. That's the thing about me. Well, good. Uh, that that's good. That's why I need people like you in my life. Because (laughs) I think for me, I love, I like, I like the concept of being able to check boxes and just say Mm -hmm. like, Oh, I did this. I did this. It's out. It's not out of my hands, you know? And, Mm -hmm. and there's very much, go ahead. (laughs) No, it's okay. It's very much encouraged with like authoritarianism because what it is, is, Hey, you check these boxes and you are a good American. You're a Mm -hmm. good Christian. You're a good, you know, and I'm like, oh, great. I checked. I did what these people said. And then you look at the books and it's just like, man, you guys are doing this. I know one of Martin Luther's first like acts of rebellion was, um, you know, when things really got the book, got started for him was uh, they weren't going to intern somebody who was, uh, who had committed suicide. And they were like, well, that's a sin, obviously. And he's just like, I've been studying this and I'm having trouble finding where, because I've been taking mm-hmm. your word on a lot of this stuff for a lot. And when they kind of couldn't dictate that to him, that opened up this world of just like, okay, well, what else did you maybe insert into this faith that wasn't supposed to be there? Tolstoy right. does this a fantastic job of, of really, if you want the most, the best anti-nationalist view as a Christian to just be like, why should, it, why is nationalism bad? Tolstoy mm-hmm. is really the guy to read for you because they there's this mix, as you said, of of if you love your country, you're going to be this good person. And Tolstoy is just like, I think Jesus says on a couple of occasions, just like, hey, you can only pledge allegiance to one yes. thing. Yes, I got to be God. So yes, I think I went over this in one of my videos. Yes, um, that. Yeah, you cannot. I, 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 I did go over this. I said, um, I, but I think it was in uh, in reference to actually um, basically consumerism. Like you can either have all the material possessions you want and, and, or you can have God. You can't have both. That's what the Bible says. You can either have materialism or you can get into heaven. That's what the Bible says. I went over a passage. um, I think it's in Leviticus. Um, uh, I can't remember uh, exactly what it was, but I, th- I think it was Leviticus. Um, no worries, you're good. I uh, um, <clears throat> when I studied theology, I found that the more I studied, the less I was able to locate the exact verses because yes. You, yes. it just gets overwhelming at some some point. You're just yes. like, oh my goodness, like it, it's uh, it's all a blur. But yeah, continue. Yeah, um, but um, so I was raised Catholic, um, okay. and. Um, it uh, it did have um, a big impact on me at one point. Um, I don't identify as that anymore. I, I identify more as a deist, I guess. Um, but I also identify more uh, with syncreticism. And syncreticism is basically you take a bunch of different faiths and you blend them together. Um, so... I, I came up with the, my own phrase, syn, uh, syncretic deism. That's basically um, what I would describe my spiritual belief as. Mm-hmm. Um, so I take a ton of different influences um, and um, mix them together. Like I love Hinduism. I I know 
some Hindus and um, uh, I can actually speak some Hindi, not a lot, but some. Um, and um, that's very influential on me. Um, Islam is pretty influential. Taoism, very influential. Um, in fact, um, Lao Tzu is considered one of the first anarchists. He was pretty, there, there are in the Tao Te Ching, there are some things where he kind of contradicts himself and does seem kind of, we should like respect the emperor and we should blah, blah, blah. But then there are others where um, there are other passages in the Tao Te Ching where he kind of does the opposite. And he's like, no, you should do what you want and not care what, um, uh, what your leaders tell you to do. (laughs) So, um, so it is kind of a contradictory text in that regard, but, um, but there are a lot of valuable passages uh, in that book. Oh yeah. So one of the things that, that faith is, is of any kind is going to have is, is a paradox, which is things that sound contradictory, but really when you're rationing them out, um, you can make sense of it, you know, and, and the things when we deal with a world that has a ton of gray area, that there is bound to be some times where it's like, well, you said don't kill, but then I have this example over here of somebody killing to defend themselves. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, okay, like, can we make these two make sense? Uh, I had faith, this faith and works, some, right? And I had this argument with somebody um, just yesterday, I think, or the day before, because I said that I was a pacifist. And this person said to me, uh, we were messaging back and forth. And uh, this person said to me, well, what if somebody comes after you? And what I said to them was, well, um, I have hydrocephalus, which is a neurological disorder, and I have a shunt tube right here. And without it, I can't live. I have to protect it. And I have been, I have had some training in martial arts. If somebody comes at me, I am going to protect myself. And so this person kind of smugly asserted, well, you can't be a pacifist then, you know, what about, and, you know, this person kind of mocked me by saying, well, what about turning the other cheek, you know, and it's like, ideally, yes, but even my instructor in my martial arts class said, you can still be a pacifist and defend yourself. Those are not contradictory positions, you know, yeah, I mean Tolstoy would uh, would uh, disagree. He was one of those uh, extreme cases. I mean, he even brings up rape and murder and letting it happen. Um, but I, I agree with you. I do think that there is a. I do think there is a point where you just say like, I. It's not offensive violence, right? Mm-hmm. Like what I'm doing mm-hmm. here is not offensive violence. And I think that there is a there's a line there where we say. It still is a very unique thing to do uh, to take care of a problem with pacifism because there's mm-hmm. an aggressive form of pacifism, which is because by the time you've come to blows and we're seeing this right now in the world, it's usually too late. Right. No, yes. no solution is going to look very good. Yes. The, the time for a good looking solution was three months ago. Right. Yes. We're I mean, not there what's going on right now. In, right. In- uh, I mean, I know I, I said I didn't want to talk about this, but just in that context, right. this is a perfect example. You right. know, look what's going on with uh, with Russia and Ukraine. You know, if something was done. It's way too late now for, you know, something that should have been taken care of. I would say I not even just years ago. It should have been, you know, I wouldn't have said even months ago. I would have said we should have taken care of this problem. Maybe not we because I'm generally not a 
in favor of the United States getting involved in conflicts that don't directly threaten us, but maybe we could have helped indirectly. I don't know, but it's like, that's a, a perfect example of what you're talking about now. It's way too late for. Yeah. I mean, it's a complex thing. We, we played a huge role in them not getting the en energy independence they need. And so now they're doing exactly. something that's kind of, it's terrible, but is it mm -hmm. predictable? Of course. Like this it, yes. is something we absolutely should have seen coming. It's the reason I saw it coming. If yes. we didn't do something because yes. I think there's a lot of good things we could have done. Now, a lot of this is, and, and what this comes down to, uh, you know, we talk about turning the other cheek or giving your enemy your coat when he beats you up. Okay. Well, first of all, why did your enemy take your coat? Well, probably because he's cold, right? Mm -hmm. Like, why did your enemy take your money? Well, maybe he's hungry. Maybe they need mm -hmm. food. You know, usually people aren't your enemies just because they're born as sick monsters that we make them out to be. A lot of times right. they, they have a genuine issue. You right. know, absolutely do I condemn what Russia is doing wholeheartedly. Do I wish that we'd plug them more into the market and get them energy independence? Yeah, this happened with Cuba. Right. Like yes. we yes. cut them off more and more. And the more we cut them off, did it stop them from being radicals? Did it stop nope. them? Did it make them more peaceful as we nope. put sanction after sanction? No, absolutely not. We stopped them from exporting their best stuff. Right. And 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 kind of put them in a really tough spot. That does not make Fidel Castro a good person. Right. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Ding dong. The witch is dead when he got out of the market. I'll but tell you, I hated most of. Obama's foreign policy, that's something I'll give him credit for, was lifting the embargo right. on Cuba. And then, of course, Trump put it back in place because um, he was more, I'm going to be the anti-Obama guy. Um, but that was something that I'll give him credit for, is he did lift the embargo on Cuba. So, mm -hmm. you know, credit credit where it's due. Sure. And, that's, and the thing is, is that introduces a new wave of not just stuff to them, but education yes. of understanding. So even according to the, I, I can't remember if it's the CIA or the FBI, but they put out about numbers about terrorism. And the mm -hmm. number one deterrent of terrorism was the terrorists themselves, right? A, a terrorist telling on mm -hmm. their friends. Mm, I see. Why, did, why did this happen? Biggest reason? They had a neighbor that they cared about and just said, I can't, I don't want to do violence to this person. This person's very kind to me. Mm -hmm. This person was showed me some some goodness. And therefore yes. I can no longer bring myself to fly a plane and blow up one of their buildings. I can no longer yes. bring myself to build up this bomb. Yes. Um, this isolationism is a real problem, especially. I mean, when we talk about spirituality this episode, it is not good for man to be alone. Right. Yes. God can make something good. And when it is alone. It is bad, right? God makes man and says he's good. Yes. And then, he, and then, but man alone becomes bad. He mm -hmm. needs somebody there. And yes. so this is a huge part of our spirituality is connection with other people. Uh, um, why our prisons don't work. We isolate them. Does right. that make them better people? No, it right. doesn't. They're going to right. They're going to reoffend. That's why, see, this is why, and this is what drives me crazy about, and, and a lot of, quite frankly, evangelicals do believe in things like capital punishment and harsh, you know, law and order type policies. And I understand the instinct that that comes from. Um, but my point is, what does that do other than just make you feel good. Same thing with the homeless crisis. You know, I see, I hear a lot of people talking about, well, just put them in prison or get them off the street or yeah. bubble. Okay. Okay. But what does that do? That doesn't do anything. You actually have to 
solve that that doesn't solve anything you know you have to actually look at these in a pragmatic way and yep. they would look at me and say well you're the one that's not being pragmatic no this is pragmatic it's objective to say that these overcrowded prisons and corrupt homeless shelters they just don't work you know right. you have to you and with the homeless thing you can't simultaneously um say well we have to um get these homeless people off the street. And then, and then when you propose something like, um, okay, um, what about um, now I'm not necessarily in favor of as an anarchist, I'm not necessarily, I'm, I'm a little bit skeptical of like housing projects, for instance, you right. know, but you can't simultaneously say we need to do something about this homeless crisis. And then every time somebody says, Hey, let's build a homeless shelter. You can't say, no, I'm not in favor of that. Well, then what do you want to do? You know, right. it's like you can't just, you know, you, you got to pick one. You know, you either say um, let's, you know, you either say you have you either have to be OK with the tent cities and whatever, or you have to say, let's do something like build more shelters or have um, low cost uh, apartments or right. something like that. You know, so that's what drives me crazy. Um and by the way, a lot of these people would call themselves Christians, too, which drives me nuts because it's like, have you people even read the Bible? You know, right. it's like, you know, what's in the Bible? You know, you know, um, uh, I mean, Jesus spends an inordinate amount of time just healing. And uh, we yes. talk about him and and he's given kind of the anarchist tag now because of how he removed himself from society, which I think is the positive. I, I think that that's a great lesson. In oh, yes. The, Nobody kind of has had a bigger influence. Talk. I got to tell you, Hody, just real quick. Yeah. Nobody. Not a single person, entity, nobody has had a single big, the single biggest influence on my morality, my character, Jesus. No question about that. And yeah. including my anarchism, actually, nobody has had a bigger influence. Um, it's it's one of those it's 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 the way he lived his life and there yes. was a lot of that when we talk and and let, i mean i'll go ahead and get into it while i am not personally i personally have some reservations about socialism i absolutely understand how you get a lot of socialism from the way jesus lived mm -hmm. um he removed himself from the system um a lot of that uh, there's some interesting uh for for all the talk about like oh give to caesar what is due caesar and pay your taxes and be a good statist or mm -hmm. whatever um, I don't know if that is a justification of taxes, by the way. I hate it when people use that to justify no, taxes. <laughs> uh, so I actually, and this is actually from a rabbi who is obviously him being a rabbi is not necessarily pro Jesus all of the time. Right. But when he reads that, he's like, well, what Jesus is saying, you know, when I read this and it's in its text is, is to withdraw from the system that mm -hmm. you use your coin. That's why he asks for one of their coins. Cause he doesn't mm -hmm. use the coins, Right. Mm -hmm. Like have your coins, have your money. You have it. Mm -hmm. Like this is your system. I yes. don't want to be a part of that system. Yes. Right. Like and this that's is kind not... of what I advocate for as well. Yeah. Not necessarily because like people like me get framed as you just want to tear everything down. No, I'm talking about building things that are better. That's what I want to do. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Jesus was big on letting his enemies come to him. If you're yes. doing the right thing, your enemies are going to find you. You yes. know, anarchists oftentimes go around looking to pick a fight. And I understand why. There's some, mm -hmm. there's absolutely some justification to it, you know, uh, that, that 
that you are out there and you're living this life and people are going to attack you for just being normal and living your life. And the, and the natural man, the instinct mm -hmm. is to attack back, to mm -hmm. fight them, to just become anti-government. But mm -hmm. it's not, a, I mean, anti anything is a really loose, you know, it, it's not, it's not direction. You know, there's no direction mm -hmm. when you're, I mean, you mentioned being anti-left right uh, earlier. Um, what do you actually well, believe when you're anti-left? There's not, there's no system there. Right. Right. Um, I guess um, what I meant by that is like, I guess I don't like, see, this is the thing. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, I, I don't like using those terms anymore. I don't like the whole left right thing because sure. um, I used to consider myself as like a part of the left. I mean, throughout my life, I've been all over the place, but um I, but for a while now, uh, or for a long period of time, I did consider myself a part of the left, but that doesn't mean like when you say that, at least in America, people associate that with the Democrats. And it's like the Democrats are nowhere near, certainly by the definition that I use, right. nowhere near a left wing party. Like not even close, you yeah. know. I um, use terms like left and right just because it's handy for some people who yeah. are who are maybe you know speaking understand it in a general concept. Yeah, you're right. As far as like having a broad, I actually asked on Facebook um, a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. I was just like, can anybody recommend to me because I just I just want to understand it better. Mm -hmm. Any like Republican or Democrat like. Because as libertarians, we have like 800 works that are yeah. like, here's the philosophy. You're going to love it. And I just yeah. wanted one of those. And mm -hmm. I really, I got to be honest with you, I really didn't get anything there. I, mm -hmm. I, I got some that were like, well, this is a history professor who wrote this book. And I, I read it and I, I appreciated the read and I'm aware the history professor was a right leaner, but mm -hmm. it didn't really establish the philosophy. It was a just talk about history and one example here. Go ahead and say your thing. We actually have a, a we have a couple of great questions in the comments cool. here. I do want to get um, to. I'd like to give just real quick um, my definitions, if I could. Um, yeah. But they're based on historical definitions. So uh, what I use is is basically the original how those terms were originally used and where they come from. For people that don't know, um, after the French Revolution. The obviously France was in a state of chaos. They had no idea where they were going to go. Um, so there was the French Parliament was called the Estates General, and so you had in the left chamber. You there was overlap in both chambers in the in terms of ideology, but most of the people who sat on the left were in favor of a more democratic, um, egalitarian society, shall we say libertarian uh, society. And those who sat on the right were generally in favor of a more rigid hierarchical structure and a restoration of the monarchy. That's um, where those terms originally came from. And um, so that's why um, when people say, or just, uh, uh, and I, I just need one more minute to <laughs> explain you myself did. here. So that's why when people um, say to me, 
uh, or when people, when I say to people, people like Vladimir Lenin were actually right wing. People are like, what, what are you talking about? Let me explain. Vladimir Lenin, first of all, he wrote a book called Left Wing Communism and Infantile Disorder. So he did was not a big fan of leftists. And um, um, and uh, and he set up his societal structure that he set up in the Soviet Union was very rigid and very hierarchical. And that is, again, by the definition I use, um, a that is characteristic of right-wing societies and is not that different from fascist societies like Mussolini or Pinochet or, you know, classic fascist societies. It's the same thing, again, with Stalin, with Mao. They all used a very similar model. Um, so I just don't think that left wing is necessarily appropriate for these brutal authoritarian leaders. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll let you uh, speak, Cody. Um, uh, I do have one more point to make on that on that point, but I'll let you chime in. No, I mean, I'll, I'll go ahead and finish up your point because I think I, I, I will move on to some questions that are going to okay. take us in a different direction. Okay. So, yeah. Um, yeah, sure. Okay. Um, but the thing is, the, the the other thing I want to talk about, though, because you mentioned socialism before, I'm yeah. not a full blown socialist. I, I'm 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 a market socialist, but um, I'm not like a I'm not a full blown anarcho communist. I guess is what I I want to say. I, I do believe in uh, market socialism. Um, I I'm what's called a mutualist. I don't know um, if. Uh, any of your uh, viewers would be familiar with that term, but um, I did a debate with Jack Neeson about capitalism versus mutualism. Okay, uh, okay. Um, so, uh, but I I would like to say that there's a lot of people, especially in the West or at least in America, that define socialism as anything that the government does. So, um, right. there are people that would think. Oh, like roads and police and like fire departments and stuff like that. That's like socialism. And uh, that's kind of weird to me. Um, and it's interesting because that was how it was uh, presented in America. But also, um, and um, Noam Chomsky, who's very polarizing, and I have extremely mixed opinions on him as well, especially recently. Um, with some recent comments that he's made in the past few years. Um, but um, he made a good point back in the early nineties. Um, he was talking to some woman who was trying to defend Leninism. And um, he was explaining that not only did the U S government and corporations make an effort to define socialism as stuff the government does, but the Soviet union also used that definition um, and it was for opposite reasons, though. The U.S. used that definition to discredit and demonize the concept of socialism. The Soviet Union used that definition basically to gaslight citizens into thinking that the Soviet government 
still actually cared about carrying out actual socialism, you know, when right. in reality, they didn't care about that. They just cared about their own power and their, uh, their own enrichment of themselves rather than their people. So it was for opposite reasons why they actually ironically both agreed on that term. <laughs> yeah. You know, terms like socialism and capitalism, I find have so little value anymore because they're just, they, they've, they've ping ponged balled all over the place. Yes. You can't tell everybody's going to disagree on what it really is. And mm -hmm. everybody's going to use a definition yes. here and there. And I love Adam um, Smith. I, I will admit, I love Adam Smith. I think he, he, his, some of his ideas were great. I think, yeah. you know, I, I think one of the problems that I get with, with, cause I mean, Adam Smith is, more what we would call traditional left-leaning that people would realize. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, that's exactly right. That's exactly sure. why. As, <laughs> a, as are kind of some industrialists like Henry Ford. And uh, I mean, there, there's certain guys that are just, you kind of go back and even though they get held up as capitalist heroes, which they are, um, mm -hmm. their definition of capitalism has changed from kind of what, what most people would think capitalism is today. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, uh, like it, they're, they're just kind of incendiary terms. I know right. for me. Like, and people don't realize that because um, Marx, for instance, is mm -hmm. kind of strawmanned as believing in so-called equality of outcome. He never said that. Marx never said, I'm, I'm not a Marxist. I don't really care for a lot of what Marx said, um, but he never said, hey, I think everybody should have the same status and be exactly equal to everyone all the time and make exactly the same money and blah, 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 blah. No, he actually explicitly condemned that and said it was a bourgeois idea. He talked about it, but he never, ever advocated for that idea. Yeah, I have huge problems with... I think my beef where, where I get into it with socialists is because I, I don't love hierarchy, but if you disagree with it, then you have to address intellectual hierarchy. You have to address mm -hmm. emotional like, and doing that will lead to a really kind of uh, dark place. And that's mm -hmm. where you get kind of Marxist prudhomme, like their worst ideas stem from this. How do we make people intellectually equal? How do we make people, mm. I, I mean, you even look to the point where they're saying, let's replace entertainment with alcohol, you know, mm. because people's entertainment will make them, because all of a sudden, you know, if somebody's having fun at the expense of somebody else and there's a competition there, mm. then, you know, that, that needs to, we've got to get rid of that. So obviously no sports, but that's okay. We'll give you booze instead. Mm. I mean, just kind of like I some didn't actually know ideas. that part. And I didn't really know that Prudhomme was also uh in favor i know prudhomme had a lot of prudhomme that was actually i, I that get that from yeah. i get that from um which marx actually blatantly stole this from prudhomme but the mm -hmm. uh the um uh philosophy of uh misery and that's marx mm -hmm. actually got the philosophy of poverty after prudhomme mm -hmm. wrote the philosophy of misery like i said i'm not defending marx i'm just saying that right. there are some misconceptions about him that aren't necessarily fair. There are a lot of fair criticisms of Marx and I make them myself, but that specific one is not fair. Yeah. yeah I mean, there is some issues when everybody's getting the same food, um, you know, cause I don't think, I, I think for me, I, I don't see ever anybody ever. I, I know the, the contention is that we're going to get to a monopoly anyway. So let's just skip to the end and everybody gets the same amount of bread and butter since we all mm -hmm. want the same kind of bread and butter. And mm -hmm. I'm like, man, people don't even want the same cheeseburger. You know yes. what I mean? Like there's right. going to be a million different places because everybody like has a certain like about, you know, right. fat ratio toppings. I mean, it's just right. not. I'm for everybody basically having, you know? yeah, I'm for everybody like having a 
baseline of necessities, like sure. uh, be, meeting a baseline of uh, right. basic necessities. So I think those things should be, um, I guess, held in kind or held in common. I mean, I'm sorry. Right. Um, but like, not like, I'm not saying that like, um, like the state should enforce that. I'm just saying like sure. in, a, in an anarchist society, I think that those things um, should be just, I guess, owned communally or whatever. Right. And we can disagree about that. That's fine. Um, but like, I, but like, I, I just think, think that we should, as a community, um, we should have that as uh, a guarantee for, as a baseline for everybody. Things like food, shelter, yeah. a basic um, stipend of clothing, water, you know, and well, then if people want to go beyond that, that that's yeah. fine. You know, I have no problem with that. You know? Right. I think if we drop politics from the equation real quick and just talk about what Jesus did as a mm -hmm. healer, as a as a person who, hey, you know, let's feed everybody. This mm -hmm. was not a he was not talking about the government doing it. Yes. He was not he was not willing to initiate force. Yes. And in fact, kind of doesn't really go into his his like much phil philosophically other than you should have a personal moral compulsion to yes. heal and feed the people around you. Yes. But that's part of being a living Christian is yes. saying, I want to make sure these people get this. And so this goes back to the point you made earlier when people say, well, no, not that housing project, not not this, not this. Yeah. Okay, that's fine, because I understand those are state solutions. They are done mm -hmm. like crap. They are problematic. Yep. But you have to come out with some kind of solution yourself. Otherwise, you're just the, I don't want to take care of the homeless guy. Exactly. You know, your point should be, I'm going to take care of the homeless. Look at these people taking care of the homeless like crap. Right. I'm going to do it the right way. Right. You know? And so this really needs to be our focus. George Carlin <laughs> called them the NIMBY people. <laughs> the, yeah. <laughs> not in my backyard. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Three questions here. And we really got to get to them because I think some of them are going to take some time. This yeah. one is from Tom Brzecki, one of my great pals, because he's my uncle. <laughs> uh, great Christian. Um, really strong as faith. Really good, uh, compelling discussions that I have with him a lot. He certainly is uh, further on the right than I am. Um, <laughs> but... But he's always been honest and he's always been willing to call out the right when uh, when it goes wrong, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Can you compare and contrast the concepts of giving a hand up versus a hand out? Um, I have never uh, for me, when I take my faith, I think that doing both is good. I think what you do is you we, we act like that there is no it's either give a man a fish or teach a man to fish. Right. OK, well, when you're a baby. If I give you a gun, I'm saying you hunt for your food. That's not going to happen, right? Like I have right. to give you a, I have to, when you're a baby, I have to give you food, right? right? The idea is that if I raise you right, you will move from me giving you food towards you getting food on your own. Right. And there's this stage of adulthood between zero and 21, you know, or, or 25 or 30. I mean, heck, we're all still growing up, right? I mean, we're all, we're all kids at heart, but you know, there's this stage between there where there's a mix there's this gray area of just saying right. sometimes like right now i'm giving you 100 percent of your food hey you know what you got a part-time job that's great now you can do some stuff on your own here's some more you know and so for me i don't see these i see the hand ups and handouts as working hand in hand i think right. the goal is the hand up of course right of course we should not teach people reliance uh absolutely great points to say that government uh 
welfare programs have only increased people's dependence and not encouraged them to just the way they're set up, you know what I mean? Doesn't help them be better. You know, think, it does not um, help. people. Yeah. There, there's problem. some, there's definitely some, uh, criticism, uh, of the system that is merited. Um, I think, yeah, the, the systems, uh, just real quick on that point are just ridiculous. I mean, um, I, as a, uh, a person with disabilities, I don't get disability benefits, but at the same time, I qualify for Medicaid. But if I ever get married, bye-bye Medicaid, you know, oh so it's like, why can't that, but it's <laughs> like, why can't, you know, why can't that just be by virtue of the fact me being disabled or, you know, why can't that just be, you know, applicable no matter what, you know, um, especially in my case, um, like, I don't know, there's, again, like you said, there's just so many weird structural things with, um, with benefits and with the safety net that it's just, it's really, really weird. Um, I think that um, uh, with the system, the way it's set up now, um, a safety net is necessary. Am I happy? No, but um, uh Without a safety net, I I would probably die. So um, right. So I can't be too critical uh, of it. But um, yeah, it, it's it, that's a really tough issue. Um, with the fishing thing, my contention with the fishing analogy is, well, what if you try really really hard and nothing's biting that day? What are you going to do? You know, if there's fishermen around you in your community. What's wrong if you gave it your best effort? What's wrong with asking them if they, you know, hey, can you, do you have a little bit of extra fish? You know, what's wrong with that? Is that, are you going to tell me that that's immoral? What if I, you know, if I gave it my best effort, if I was out there for, you know, six hours or whatever, trying to catch a fish and nothing was biting, you know, is that my fault? <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. I, I think, um, I, I mean, and I, I don't want this to turn into like a socialist thing but like where i have the agreements with it with general socialist philosophies i do think we need to understand we have a connection to other human beings yes and, and a moral again i'm i will strictly keep it moral and ethical responsibility yes. to help them out yes and i think that this because libertarianism we get the bare minimum political stuff for me no but yeah. i agree with you it's strictly about morality and it comes from a spiritual place i agree with you Right. Well, and, and if you love liberty, right, because this is yeah. this has been my issue kind of with libertarian culture for a little while now. And I've talked about it a few times. They think that everybody lives on their own like private island, you know. Right. That's well, and, I, and I'm and i fine with the minimum. I'm OK yeah. with the minimum being you don't hurt people, don't take their stuff. Mm -hmm. Great minimum, solid minimum. Never want to change it. I love the nap. I, I, I like that yes. as an entry point. But what is society but a collection of individuals? That, that's what I would say is, sure. is like, that's what a society is. It's a collection of individuals. Individual rights are right. great. But yes. we also have to acknowledge that a society is a collective of individuals. Right. And, and, and I think the thing is, is if you love liberty, then it's not a matter of, of just saying, what's the minimum I can do to get you out of slavery? Right. Mm -hmm. Like there's the minimum. You're no longer enslaved. And oh, hands washed. We're all clean. Mm -hmm. No, if you love liberty, just like like if I say I'm a Christian, it's not what's the minimum I can do 
and still be technically a Christian. You're still technically getting to the kingdom of heaven. Now, if you mm -hmm. call yourself a Christian, it's not about minimums and maximums. Over and over, we have people making mistakes, doing sins, and just being like, ah, crap, I messed up. It's not a. It's not about living that sinless life because I think too often we're like, "What's the landmine of sin? Is this technically a sin? Is this not technically a sin?" If you're a Christian, mm -hmm. you love Christ. You mm -hmm. want to do more of what He does and do those things. It's not a minimum. It's a maximum, right? And mm -hmm. I think the goal is, if you call yourself a libertarian, it's not what's the minimum amount of freedom I give you. It's what's the maximum. We right. want to give you as much education as possible. Right. There's so much freedom that opens up when and you I have think more opportunities and education and food right. and clothing and, and all of this. When you have all this taken care of, there are these avenues of your that open up in your life that we want people to take. So right. I and I think there's a difference. Um, I, I actually listened to uh, before uh, we uh, hooked up here. I actually listened to some of your, uh, your previous discussion. That was really good. Your previous episode. And um uh, I liked the conversation that you guys had about the difference between positive freedom and negative freedom, because that's a very important discussion to have. Um, and I don't think that that gets um, discussed enough, especially by libertarians who typically, uh, and conservatives too, they only want to talk about negative freedom. You know, that it, it, it's, it's a very, I think you brought up this point Um it's very much always in the frame of, okay, don't do this or you can't do this, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's not, we don't near talk nearly enough about, okay. Um, what about the freedom to, I don't know, the, the freedom to eat or the, the, the freedom to not, or, or the freedom to prosper, the freedom to, express yourself creatively, the freedom to live fulfilled, the, uh, you know, or the, the, the freedom to, I don't know, just uh, like freedom of speech that that's a, you know, that is a positive freedom, you know, cause you're not really saying you can't say anything. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, so I usually frame it with positive and negative rights. And the, a mm -hmm. negative right is like, you can't steal my stuff. Yes. But a positive right is, do I have the right to go out and acquire stuff? So yes. for example, you know, and, the, and, and, and does it get, gr there's a big gray area here. Because if I say you have the right to go out and buy a cake and then someone refuses to bake you a cake because of who you are, have mm -hmm. they infringed on a positive right that you have? Now, I mm -hmm. might not advocate for the government getting involved. But yeah, <laughs> they mm -hmm. kind of have, right? And like, if you yeah. look at, if you look at something like, I believe that kids have a right to education. Now, I don't support mm -hmm. the government going in and, well, one making education happen because they're really crappy at doing that. Oh they yeah, really, <laughs> government is bad at educating your kids and really good at creating a situation where they can get abused by their peers in a social, uh, negative, antisocial environment that was set up in an industrial era. Blah blah. blah. I could go on forever about that. Yeah. Right? It sucks at education. Oh, that yeah. being said, do I think highly of a parent who keeps the kid in the house and doesn't let them on the internet because they want to teach him about, like, I might not support uh, invading that person's home or anything like that, but do I think something wrong has gone on when you, uh, there's this great book called Educated. Um, and it's uh, it's not a political book. It's, it's about this girl who uh, her family actually, uh, 
did this thing where they insulated their kids and didn't teach her mm-hmm. about stuff. She actually went, so she got, did what she had to do to get into college, uh, despite having almost no education whatsoever from her mm-hmm. family. And they brought up the Holocaust and she didn't know how to pronounce the word. And the teacher was like, Hey, you're in a lot of trouble here because her parents taught her that, that that didn't happen. They didn't teach mm-hmm. her. Now, mm-hmm. do you have the right to know that? I would say yes. yes. That does not mean that I think the government has the right to bust into your property. Right. Do you have the right to be fed? Yes. That doesn't mean I'm going to point a gun at somebody else and tell them to feed him. I just think that there's some accountability that society has to you because you're in it. You know. Right. Um, all right. Uh, I'm going to take a just a brief break here because I actually almost forgot. And <laughs> I know we're like three quarters away. Usually I do this at the halfway point. Um, but we're going to get back with a couple other great questions here that I have in the comments. So hold on just a moment. We'll be right back. And thank you, everybody. Welcome back from the break. I appreciate you hanging with us. Uh, back to some more questions, especially since we're talking faith and spirituality. Um, neither one necessarily touches specifically on faith, but I think both of us would have our faith inform uh, our answers on these. Uh, this one here from my buddy, Chris Mosier, hot dog, Chris Mosier. Uh, I would this love to hear one. you guys discuss your thoughts on the anti-work movement. Um, mine are pretty brief. I think that the anti-work movement was, um, are there obviously problematic nut nutty people in the anti-work movement who believe that we should get to a society where all work has been abolished? Yes, there are nut jobs out there. Uh, one of these nutty people went and did a very stupid interview and made the whole thing look really dumb. I saw um, that. Yeah. It's it rightly that person was raked over the coals. Yes. Um, generally, is there something in our society that wants you to work more than you should have to? Yes. Mm-hmm. Our society has absolutely, the, the economy has been done in such a way and it was crafted. Our economy has been crafted. This is not yes. a natural economy. This is not yes. the way humans naturally interact, right? Yes. Our economy has been set up to incentivize that work is good. Just like it's been incentivized to set up that spending money is good, yes. right? Like that looks like a good thing. It's not. You know, it's the broken window fallacy, mm-hmm. but it's been set up to look like it is a good thing, you know, uh, and it's it's one of those things that we say, look, I'm not saying that work is bad. I don't think anybody's saying that. I mean, hardcore Marxists would tell you work is the greatest thing ever, right? Like work <laughs> is a is a good thing. We, we like work, but mm-hmm. to artificially set it up so that more work has to be done is bad. And the thing is, is. Some of these bosses, you guys, I understand it might be their business, but you need to get called out when you do, when you say and do dumb things. These posts, these are abusive practice. And you could say, yeah, go get a job elsewhere. No, you fix your behavior. It's not that simple. Um, I'll let you finish, but it's it's another, it's just not one or the other is what I'm saying. I can call you out. Or And I can switch jobs kind of at the same time. In fact, a lot of these posts that people have is like, well, that's your last text to me ever because I'm done being treated like this. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not showing up to work anymore. And then, of course, the employer turns around and is like, wait, wait, we want to talk. These corrupt bosses, these poor work environments need to be called out. I mean, you yes. look at things like the gaming industry and you look at, I mean, kitchen I've worked in enough kitchens and restaurants yes. that I can tell you it's not like moving to another kitchen fixes all the problems. Yes. There's an environment that's cultivated. Everybody understands that there's sexual harassment in mm-hmm. gaming workplaces. And you're just going to have to deal that if you want in. Mm-hmm. And there's bad pay and really 
boss, they're screaming in kitchens, right? You're going to get screamed at. And oh, we just yeah. accept that. Oh, that's okay. It's just, it's just what happened in kitchens. Sometimes you get screamed at. No, that's not a good way to interact right. with people. And it is something that you can say, yes, you can change jobs, but these people aren't going to change their environment until they get held accountable for it. I like the posts generally from the anti-work movement folks. Um, I, similar to BLM. Are there the wackos that make the whole thing look stupid? Yeah. Of course. Right. In general, right. do Black Lives Matter? Yes. In general, Absolutely. are we working way too much and more than we should? Oh, yeah. So I think go ahead we need to make thoughts. a distinction, though, in that specific instance between yeah. BLM, the movement, and right. BLM, the organization. Sure. You know, I think that there's a, there's a distinction there. Um, the movement, good. The organization, Kind of cringe. (laughs) (laughs) Just bought my third house and everything. Anyhow, uh, yeah, your thoughts on on the anti-work movement. Yes. Um, I actually expected us to disagree a little bit more than I actually, I mean, I agree with like 99% of what you just said. Um, I... Yeah, I I really don't have have much... uh, Yeah, I... It's okay to just say I got it all right and we'll move on to the next <laughs> No, um, but I do, I would like to say uh, to, to those people that think it's, oh, just get another job, th- those people, um, it's not that simple. Like I said, um, I'm a person with disabilities who doesn't drive. I live in a very rural area, no public transportation. Um, I, you know, my parents both work full time, you know, so... I have very limited um, mobility um, and uh, it's just, it's really, really difficult. And the jobs that I have had um, are, I don't know, they've just burned me out so much because I've had to, they've just pushed, pushed, pushed beyond, like way beyond what my capacity was as uh, just what my brain can handle. And it just, it was almost traumatizing for me. You know, um, so it just met my point on that is it's not as simple as, oh, just go get another job or, oh, just work harder or just, you know, it's like, no, when you push a person with disabilities like to their absolute limit, they're going to get extremely burned out. I mean, every person does, but no, a person with disabilities is that much worse at, you know, when it comes to burning out. And I just decided after that, like, I'm done with this in terms of just being in a traditional environment like that, you know? Um, And um, so I've tried to, um, at first I tried to be, I tried to write a novel at first. I was like, that, that, that seems like a, a good idea. And that, that kind of stalled. Um, I'm on YouTube now trying to start uh, my own channel, which I will plug later on. Um, but, you know, so I'm just trying to do things creatively that um, still give me some sense of purpose, you know, and, and some, something to do. Um, so I'm not just sitting around all the time. Um, but also that I do feel like I'm contributing something, you know? Um, so in regard to the anti-work movement, I understand it. Um, and I sympathize with it to uh, a large degree because, um, you were right, Hody, in the fact, in in the sense that, um, there's, uh, I, I think, um, in the 
I think it's The Conquest of Bread, a, a book by uh, Peter Kropotkin, who was a uh, uh, a naturalist and a, uh, a socialist in the uh, late 1800s, early 1900s in Russia. He wrote this book called The Conquest of Bread, which is a very influential uh, text uh, with socialists and anarcho-communists. And he was saying that um, even back, and this is like in the early 1900s, he was saying that he basically estimated based on uh, calculating pr productivity um, that with the machinery that they had at that time, that workers would only have to work a few hours a day or like a week, you know? Um, and that was a hundred years ago, over a hundred years ago, like 120 years ago. Um, and so Hody's right that it's more of a, you're, you're right that it's more of a, a, a systemic um, issue that we've basic and we've basically remained complicit and compliant and we've allowed this to happen to ourselves instead of just standing up and having the courage to say no because and I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that we've done a great job because um, it's I mean it's mostly the corporation's fault but it's also the, the state's fault in a way of, of, of being complicit because they're beholden to the corporations. So we've done a great job of, of instilling in our citizens, especially since the Reagan era, to be afraid of the government, which is great. I, I fear the government. I'm skeptical of them. But we haven't done a good enough job of telling our citizens that the government should be afraid of us, you know, yeah. and, you know, that's the biggest problem. And we haven't done enough, you know, to to make them scared of us. I mean, there there have been things like COVID protests and uh, Occupy Wall Street, but Occupy was a joke. It was it was it was basically Occupy was nothing, you know. Um, and uh, you know, there was like the BLM stuff, um, the George Floyd stuff, um, but again, th those were basically nothing. You know, you think the government's afraid of that? No, they're not. You know, right? I mean, they they've set up this system to the point where your average household has gone from working thirty eight hours a week to sixty seven hours a week in right. in forty years. You know, right. and it's one of those where you just where. At that point, your bully knows that you're going to keep giving him lunch money. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's just like I read this article about the Simpsons. Actually, have you seen uh, there? There was this article about the Simpsons saying that um, when the Simpsons got started, that was possible, where you could have the grandpa and the wife who stays at home with the three kids living on just one income. You know? Yeah. Um, it's and, not that uh, way anymore. Uh, yeah. And it's like, and they're like, yeah, that was the point. And they were like, yeah, that's not possible anymore. You right. know? And we blame the kids for, you know, oh, you know, you're living in your parents' house still. You're doing that. Look, it's. Yep. My parents. I still would move. Do you think I want to do this? Me. Yes. Like my, <laughs> my parents still get frustrated with me all the time. They're like, why don't you just get a job? Why don't you just do that? It's like, there's, there's so few opportunities. There's the, especially for disabled people like me, right. you know, it's like, and it's like, and I already have these traumatic experiences, like I said, which makes it even harder for me to even want to like, basically I'm fine being my own boss. And it's not like I, you know, and the thing that I would like to um, get across to people like them is I'm not, because of my spirituality, I'm not a very materialistic person. I'd much rather sit in my room and read books all day. I'm not, my point is I can't drive anyway, but I'm not out buying cars. I'm not out, you know, 
asking for, you know, a third five yacht. TVs and, yeah. you know, a new PS5. Like I have a PS4. I'm perfectly, there's your gaming connection. I'm perfectly content with my PS4. <laughs> you right. Know? Uh, um, you have like one minute and I just want you to be able to say where people can find you and uh, yeah. And, and any closing thoughts that you have. Okay. Um, well, uh, my <clears throat> YouTube channel is um, an enlightened rogue, which uh, is a reference to um the Allman Brothers Band, old Southern rock band, um, and uh, one of their albums. Um, but uh, it's called uh, An Enlightened Rogue, uh, which is also my... Um, I Dungeons & Dragons character's name. What's that? I said D- Dungeons & Dragons character name. I was kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't play D&D. Um, some people have said I should get involved, but I'm just... I don't know. Uh, but anyway, the point is, uh, yes, that 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 is my... Um, channel name uh it's also a podcast uh, i i try to at least extract the audio from the youtube although the service that i use hasn't uh, accepted the last couple so the last couple of videos haven't become podcasts but that's what i was trying to say but um uh that's um the primary place um that you could find me and also uh i i also write articles under my real name for um, Center for a Stateless Society, which is a uh, uh, sort of a left libertarian think tank. And uh, it's um, a very, very good organization. And um, so I'm a contributor there. So you can uh, find uh, some articles that I write there. I haven't uh, written too many yet, but I definitely plan on publishing more in the future. And uh, so those are the primary... uh, primary methods as in regard to um, final thoughts. um, I would definitely like to, um, to follow up on this conversation in the future, because there are definitely things that I didn't get to today that I want to talk about in the future because we, and this is fine. We mainly focused on Christianity. um, And I definitely want to talk more about, because I said, I I definitely have more of an Eastern mind and I want to talk more about that. Um, uh, in the future, but, um, no, yeah. I'm very, I'm very, uh, I, I am glad that we, uh, were able to talk about at least about, um, the, uh, the Christian aspect, because it's a lot more, um, libertarian, not only a lot more libertarian, but also a lot more, for lack of a better term, socialist than, than people realize it's, it, it advocates for, uh, a lot more, communal system than than people in fact that's how the early christians lived they you know um you know that they they did live in a very sort of anarcho-communist way in fact um karl marx got from each according to a to his ability to each according to his needs from the bible it's in acts of the apostles it's not directly it's not directly um a direct quote but very similar wording uh, is in Acts of the Apostles. Yeah, uh, syncretism, it's something that we should talk about. Um, yes. I'm certainly, I'm kind of exploring that gap right now. Mm-hmm. Um, because my uh, the reason why I bring that up is my, uh, I am influenced by Christianity, but again, like I said, my primary influences are things like Hinduism, Islam, uh, Taoism. Yeah. Uh, th- those are like the big three. Um I don't know much about Buddhism, you know, but that is an influence, you know, but uh, 
Um, but yes, but definitely Christianity is um, uh, a part of that. Yeah, I've studied just barely enough of each of those faiths to be called uh, an expert by people who don't know anything and a total new novice by people who have dedicated their lives to it. I'll be happy to educate <laughs> Tough you. place to be. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you so much, Jordan, for being on the yeah. show. Listeners, thank you so much for dropping by uh, and following the show. We'll let you know when our next episode is coming in. Take care of yourselves. and Subscribe to my channel, people. <laughs> subscribe to the channel, The Enlightened Rogue. Yeah, Enlightened uh, Rogue, yep. Enlightened Rogue. There you go. Have a good day.